Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 526. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Turkey Sink. Yeah. If you are celebrating Happy Thanksgiving Week, Happy uh, Please Don't Do Anything Wild, Black Friday Day, or just hang out and chill. Are you going anywhere? Are you having people over? My father-in-law, my in-laws are coming to stay with us, and we are hosting for the first time in our new house. So it's a big momentous week and weekend for us, and also very exciting because we haven't been able to be together. But now we are vaxxed to the max and ready to relax. Yeah. We will have been headed to my mother's for Thanksgiving, and one of my closest friends who was in my wedding, and I've known him since I was like 15, he's staying with us. So it's all great. It's all wonderful. Happy holidays. I'm just excited because I will hopefully have a little bit of time to put up all the incredible decorations we got for the house for Christmas. We bought a nine foot inflatable Christmas themed Millennium Falcon, an 11 foot tall inflatable Santa and a seven foot tall inflatable Mandalorian with child. So I haven't put those up yet because I don't know where they're going, but... (laughs) It's going to be great. It's going to be really, really fun. But we're not here just to talk about decorating one's house for the holidays. We are the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever is floating your boat. And by you, I mean us and what we're excited about, (laughs) me and Lorraine, lots to talk about, including our guest this week. Who is it, Lorraine? This week, we have on Jess Barbagallo from Marvel's Wastelanders, Hawkeye. We're going to be talking with them a little bit later on in the show. And if you don't live in the United States, it might be a normal week for you. But happy Thanksgiving to our American listeners. And with Thanksgiving came untold joys to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we've got Marvel Studios, Hawkeye first two episodes now available on the service it's only on disney plus it's one of those shows where i think every episode just keeps getting better and and like rolling along and by episode three i was like people are gonna love this show and it's gonna be so much fun i hope everyone has watched the episodes by the time you're listening to this getting to see lucky the pizza dog's little origin she is played by jolt who is a golden retriever and you can follow them on Instagram. And they're so cute. Dogs forever. Also, Ryan, you and I got a pizza dog collar. It's a purple collar with little slices of pizza all over it. And I immediately put it on my dog Kaiju. He looks so handsome. He does. Saw the pictures. Oh my God. He's such a good boy. I made him sit and take pictures with me for the gram. And he was just like, oh, I'm getting pets. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you go and watch Marvel Studios Hawkeye only on Disney+. Plus. It's terrific. You know what else is terrific? So terrific that it's being nominated at the Game Awards. I'm talking about Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, the new video game that we have been enjoying the heck out of. It is up for best action slash adventure game, best narrative, best score and music and innovation in accessibility. That's flipping awesome. Mm-hmm. Congrats to Marvel Games. Congrats to Eidos Montreal. Congrats to all of us who got to play it because it's fun. Mm-hmm. If you need another reason, look at those four big nominations. Mm-hmm. That narrative right there, it better win it. I don't care about any other story in any other video game. This game hasn't even been out for a month. That's the thing that's like honestly blowing my mind is how much love it's getting. Most games, it seems like it takes a little while for people to latch onto it or for it to become a phenomenon. And this was like instant phenomenon, which is very cool. 
and well-deserved. You know it's well-deserved? Free stuff. And if you want free stuff, <laughs> get ready for the return of Free Comic Book Day. It is coming back in May of 2022, the first Saturday in May is may 7th 2022 and that is free comic book day it's something that we always look forward to telling people about we always have great comics that tie into the big things that are going on and that's a pretty great weekend too because that is right around the time of the release of marvel studios doctor strange in the multiverse of madness which comes out may 6th 2022 so it is perfect timing everybody get hyped for may 2022 yeah and also my dating anniversary so that's important also coming up in the comics world 10 lives and x deaths of wolverine the trailer is out this is going to be an intertwined pair of stories by the one and only ben percy so definitely go watch the trailer also shout out to my friend john hosh who is the voiceover actor on the trailer which is really cool he sounds really awesome and like tough and stuff so good job john (laughs) (laughs) tough and stuff also a fun fact he played the gorilla in kong on broadway that's really Uh (laughs) uh-huh look kong on broadway i loved it the gorilla was so good seeing that up close oh i had a blast at that show good i'm so glad i will be sure to tell him that (laughs) But definitely go over and watch the 10 Lives of Wolverine number one and X Deaths of Wolverine number one trailer on Marvel.com and pick it up when it is on sale in January of this year. Yeah. Um, of course, we mentioned, you know, Benjamin Percy, who's wonderful and is full of manliness. But got to give our shout outs to artist Joshua Cassara mm-hmm. and Federico Vicentini, who are working side by side on these interlocking series. It's going to be really cool. I I had the the whole story sort of explained for me, and it's great. It's it's really it's big. It is we're touting it as like this biggest Wolverine story, one of the biggest X Men stories. It is the end. Get ready for it. Yeah, deal with it. Hold on to your adamantium butts, everybody. <laughs> but you know, we're talking about Wolverine. We're talking about the age of Krakoa, and it's an important part of X Men history. And mm-hmm. as part of Krakoa and this development for mutant kind. They've got a new nation. They have a whole bunch of new stuff, including a new language. And so that got us thinking about some fictional languages in Marvel Comics. Yeah. You know, characters like Cypher have language powers where they can just sort of decipher any code or any language or create language in an instant. Then you have the benefit of Professor X who can just be like, bam, you know a language. But we were kind of talking about like, what would it be like, though, if we humans tried in such a manner to do such a thing as create our own Krakoan nation. So I think we should call up somebody who can help us a little better than us theorizing. How about Jesse Sam's linguistic professor? She teaches a really cool class about invented languages where her and her students get to make up their own languages from scratch. You want to give her a call? Yeah, I want to hear her talk about constructed languages or conlangs. Ring, 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 conlangs phone. Ring, 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 (laughs) Jesse's phone. Ring, ring. Hello. Hi, it's Lorraine and Ryan from This Week in Marvel. Hey, we were going to ask you some questions about language in the context of the Marvel Universe. But first, could you tell our twin friends what it is you do exactly? Well, I am a professor of linguistics, and I also create languages for TV shows and whatnot. Ooh, I think you're the perfect person to discuss the uh, Krakoan language. How do you go about 
creating a language, especially if you're not someone with the character Cypher's powers? How do you construct a new language? Well, you have to start with the smallest pieces. So you start with deciding what sounds your language is going to have. And then from there, how those sounds are going to come together to actually form larger units like syllables and then words. And then keep going from there. Once you hit the grammar, you have tons of decisions to make. And so whether, for instance, you're going to say, I like reading or I reading like or reading like I, you have to decide what word orders you're going to use. My brain just popped. Right? (laughs) (laughs) There are so many decisions once you hit that stage. But you, as the creator, get to make all of the decisions to make the language exactly how you want it. So then once you've gone through and you figured out sort of what parts of speech you want where and you have this language built, how do you suddenly teach it to a bunch of people? Or is there any trick to it if you don't have like a telepath to just like import it into their brains and upload it? I got to tell you, the telepathic method really is the best. If only <laughs> if only we could all do that. But no, to learn a constructed language, it's the same as learning a natural language. So you go through the same process as say learning Spanish or French. You need to have someone teach you the vocabulary and work up with grammar. And in fact, you can even learn constructed languages on things like Duolingo, where you can learn, say, High Valerian with David Peterson, who created it. That's pretty neat. Let's shift gears just a little bit before we let you go, because that's all super complicated, big languages. What about a language like Groot's? It's just three words, I, am, and Groot. Could you actually speak a language with only three words? How would that kind of work? That would not work very well. And in fact, the smallest invented language vocabulary system has about 137 roots, uh, Tokipona. And you can express so many feelings in it, but it's also very ambiguous because certain words are going to have to be defined in eight, nine, 20 different ways <laughs> because we have so many ideas and thoughts and, and things to put into language. So could you theoretically have a three word language? Sure, but you're going to be very limited in what you can communicate in it. I have a spicy question, which is constructing a new language. In the Marvel Universe, you know, the X-Men really wanted to have their own sort of mutant language and be separate from the rest of the world. Is that like low-key petty or is that like a necessary part of creating a new place, a new world? You could take it either way. And honestly, the way I choose to see it is that language can bring communities together. And so by bringing people from all over the world with abilities together and having a special language just for them, it can help build the community to make them immediately feel welcome in this new place. And so that's how I choose to interpret that. Okay, I'll have to take my petty argument elsewhere. Take I'll, business I'll, elsewhere. I'll, I'll, I'll take it to Twitter where it's wanted. <laughs> well, Jesse, your expertise in linguistics has brought us all together. We thank you very much for what you shared with us. Well, I am glad you called me. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Sounds good. Bye. Click. Thanks to Jesse Sams for talking to us about conlangs and really helping us learn a little bit more about something really cool in the Marvel world. Speaking of cool stuff in the Marvel worlds. Let's get into some Miles Morales comic book updates because there's a new What If series starring Miles Morales coming out in March. Yes, it's going to be written by Cody Ziegler with art by Paco Medina. And this is a What If story. So we're going to ask what if Miles Morales followed in the footsteps of a Marvel hero other than Spider-Man? 
which I'm very excited to see how they answer that question. And I have a feeling it has something to do with a guy named Captain America. <laughs> That's how you have to say Captain America. Captain America. You know. So that is how we do it. Definitely go and look out for that coming in March. Cody's great. He, he gave some great quotes to Marvel.com. You can find that article announcing the series on the site. But it's sort of thinking like Miles Morales is just a hero no matter the circumstances, no matter the reality. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? So you get him being U.S. government recruited, trained and granted incredible powers with the super soldier serum in this story. But we're going to do others. And this series is going to explore Miles being a superhero or following in other footsteps in really cool ways. I look, I've talked about my love for all things. What if many, many times. So this is right up in my teeth. I can't wait. Right up in my teeth. Isn't that a phrase? You know what? Language is just made up. So I'm turning that into a phrase. You know what, Ryan? You're right. All right, moving on. We've got Marvel's Voices Legacy, which is returning for Black History Month. These issues have been so wonderful. Shout out to Angelique Roche, who is on the Women of Marvel podcast, friend of Ryan and I, and also someone who is editing this book. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some really great talent involved, as with all of the Marvel's Voices series. This one's going to feature Marvel Stormbreaker, Natasha Bustos, making her writing debut, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. We love her art. She does beautiful stuff and really fun stuff, especially for like Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and whatnot. And she has a gorgeous tale coming from Wakanda. Yeah, then we've got uh, novelist Victor Laval writing a Moon Girl story. We've got writers from television, Jay Holtham, who worked on Marvel's Jessica Mm -hmm. Jones and Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, doing a story about Sam Wilson, Captain America. The aforementioned Cody Ziegler is going to be doing a really cool story looking at black heroes through the ages in a celebration highlighting Luke Cage's 50th anniversary. Really, really neat. That's coming out in February of 2022, February 16th, 2022. And um, it's going to be wonderful. All these Marvel Voices series have been really cool. You can read a lot of them on Marvel Unlimited, but I'm glad we keep doing them. I think they're a wonderful showcase for some amazing talent and amazing characters. Absolutely. Also, a very special Thanksgiving Day delight from It's Jeff, Jeff the Landshark. If you're on Marvel Unlimited, you might have noticed a very special drop of a very special comic. It's Jeff Infinity Comic number 12, Jeff's Giving. It was dropped on Marvel Unlimited on Thanksgiving Day as just like a little gift for us, our families, our friends. It shows Jeff just getting into trouble. Him and and Kate Bishop are baking a turkey for all of the little Marvel heroes and they're hanging out. And then Jeff, the little scamp, gets into trouble. No spoilers, but it's cute, you guys. Go, Go read it. And of course, if you want to, you check it out, you'll see that there's more Jeff on its way in 2022. The world requires Jeff in order yes. to function and more <laughs> Jeff is needed. It's like more cowbell. Gotta have more Jeff. He's like Scarlet Witch. He's like the nexus of all realities. He <laughs> is the the one in all the universes, yeah. you know? I like that. Also, this week on Marvel Unlimited, there is an amazing Lucky the Pizza Dog Infinity comic that dropped on the service. It is written and drawn by Jason Liu, and it's a ding-dang delight. I love that we have a place to put these great characters and really fun stories. So if you are not subscribed to Marvel Unlimited, please get your butt over there. Marvel.com slash Unlimited. Subscribe. Read the Infinity comics. And maybe if you're still in the mood for some Thanksgiving-themed comics, we can direct you to a couple of our favorites. In fact, let's do that right now. I want to talk about two of my favorite Thanksgiving comics. Of course, my favorite Thanksgiving comic of 
all time is Vision and the Scarlet Witch number six, in which Magneto just shows up for Thanksgiving dinner, dad making it weird with awkward tension in the family. And then they all just like eat a turkey together. Like, I love it. I also love Vision and the Scarlet Witch, how it always borders on this place of like crazy stuff is happening. Like, oh, we're being attacked by zombies, but also we're like having to mow the lawn. Like, it's just (laughs) a really nice mix of mundane and fantastical. And also in the, amongst the sort of same vibe is Uncanny X-Men number 308, 308. The X-Men are trying to have like a nice holiday together. It's classic X-Men too. It's, you know, they're playing the sports and they're hanging out. They're trying to make like snowmen out of leaves. They're, <laughs> they're just having a good wholesome time. And at the end, okay, spoiler alert. I'm just going to tell you how it ends. Gene and Cyclops drop the bombshell that they're going to get married (laughs) and it's a reminder that it's engagement season check your instagrams your facebook's your twitters everyone's gonna be getting engaged for the next two three months enjoy 308 is also one of my favorites partially because john romita jr bringing such incredible fashions oh yeah like the super 90s oh and there's like a little football there's so many great moments in that issue i remember reading it as a kid and just being like blown away by it then not really fully understanding why and now i'm just like this is a master at work and it's so much fun even in something as simple as like the x-men's calm moments which are some of my favorites Mm mm-hmm On top of that, there's tons of other great Thanksgiving-themed issues. I'll point to Power Pack. Power Pack has two issues. It's like 18 and 19. I remember reading these a bunch of years ago, and it's really sweet. They're sad. Power Pack is a great book about these four kids, these four siblings who get superpowers and trying to hide them from their parents and do all kinds of other stuff. But they're really sweet kids, and they try to help people, and there's really wonderful messages about thinking of others and Thanksgiving and and try to help others throughout both of these issues. So definitely read Power Pack 18 and 19 from the 80s. Those are really good. One of my favorite series is Franklin Richards, Son of a Genius by Mark Sumerak and Chris Eliopoulos, where they would just do a whole bunch of great holiday themed specials. I don't want to correct you, but I believe it's Son of a Genius. (laughs) You're right, Lorraine. It's Franklin Richards, Son of a Genius. (laughs) And they have one called Happy Franksgiving, which is terrific. You get a, a really fun Thanksgiving themed story with Franklin Richards and his little Herbie robot. Oh, yeah. It is very Calvin and Hobbesy in mm-hmm. in the best possible ways. So definitely check that out. We actually have a full reading list of Thanksgiving themed books that you can check out on Marvel Unlimited. Just go check out the reading list section on the app or on the website and you'll see a whole bunch more. Great choices, Ryan. We did yes. it. We End did of it. show. See y'all no, wait, no, next no, no, year. No, 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 Ryan. No? We have more. We have, oh. we have a guest. But before oh, yeah. that guest, we've got to talk about something very much pertaining to said guest, which is Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye. Chapter 9 is out. It's Chapter 9 Bullseye this week. Bullseye! And and in fact, this is important because we're about to talk with Jess Barbagallo, who plays Max on the series. And in fact, to whet your whistle, why don't we listen to a little clip? I'm glad you came back. Glad you came to find me. And I'm sorry I didn't help you the way you wanted me to. But... Maybe this is the only way I can. I'm doing this for you. I've always been doing this for you. For you to have a better world. A world where there could be heroes again. 
but this world has to burn for that to happen. And today I'm going to light a match. You can hear Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye first exclusively on the SiriusXM app or by subscribing to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts and coming soon everywhere else. Plus, the first seven episodes are now available to listen for everyone. That includes your moms and your dads and your kids and your dogs and your cats. And everybody <laughs> can listen to those seven episodes. Learn more at SiriusXM.com Wastelanders. Speaking of SiriusXM, you can go to SiriusXM.com slash MarvelLF to check out SiriusXM's Listen Free event, which has just begun. Download the SiriusXM app to hear Marvel podcasts such as Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye, Marvel's Declassified, and more. All of them free, and you can listen through December 6th while they're still free during the Listen Free event. Did I mention it's free? Get up on in it. All right, now that your moms and your dads and your dogs and your cats and everybody you know have listened to the first seven episodes of Marvel's Wastelanders or the first nine episodes if you're listening mm. on the SXM mm -hmm. app, I think we should introduce our wonderful guest, Jess Barbagallo, one of the stars of Marvel's Wastelanders. He plays Max, who is a very important character to Clint's daughter, Ash. They have a really sweet relationship early in Ash's life. And it's been revealed very recently in the series, spoiler alert if you haven't listened yet, that Max is not just alive in flashback, but alive in real life. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. So we're going to get the scoop from Jess right now. Hey, Jess. Hi, Lorraine. How are you? Oh, man, I'm great. I've been listening to the podcast so much, so I've been hanging out with you even though you haven't been around. <laughs> <laughs> what is your Marvel origin story? What was the first way you sort of encountered Marvel characters in whatever iteration of the world, whether it was a Spider-Man t-shirt when you were a kid or the movies when you got older? I mean, I. it's funny because, yes, I was thinking Spider-Man, but like, I think I like totally date age myself because... I think my memory is like Spider-Man in the actual funny pages in like paper newspaper that was delivered to my grandparents' house as a kid. Oh man, that that is OG <laughs> for sure. I mean, I was little, I was little. Man, who did not love the funny pages as a kid? That was the best. Oh, I know. You like waited. I think it was either Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I would like I would I would cut them out, you know? Oh, really? Oh, that's awesome. Did you have somewhere that you'd stick them or, or keep them? Um, No, I was such a mess. I would probably like, fold, <laughs> I, and a nerd, so I would probably like fold my favorites up into like whatever paperback I was toting around at the time. Were there other nerdy things that you were into growing up? I'm just like a really big reader my whole life. But it's it's funny, like my family was never super into technology. So, you know, we kind of got like a computer sort of late. I would go to friend's house to play Nintendo, but like I didn't have like a gaming system at my house. But my roommates, he just moved in and he brought like a Nintendo Switch here. He's like teaching me how to play Mario Kart. It's, like... yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. It's really fun. It's so addictive. Yeah. Now, you are no stranger to fandoms. You've been in the kid wizard zeitgeist for a while, <laughs> as we'll say. What is it like to enter this big, crazy Marvel fandom as a new character? I was just so excited when I 
got the, I guess like audition notice or, you know, and I, and I knew the director, so it was really fun. And I know other actors who are working on the show. So that was just really cool for me to like see those worlds collide. Like I ride the subway in New York City. So every time like a new Marvel something drops, you know, I like see everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like I see the billboards. And so to see like so many people I know kind of like from a small intimate theater circle in, in New York, you know, like working on this project, I was like, oh, this is actually this like really accessible thing. So yeah, like the fantasy of it was super fun. And then and just like being pretty new to the world of audio, th that's that's a different something too. And recording dialogue like in this remote capacity and then being like, how are they going to edit it together? You know, so it's been fun to like have I've listened to like the first few episodes and it's been really fun to listen to those unfold and be like, whoa, I had no idea it was going to sound like that. You know, yeah, it, it's such a different process than when you hear it all beautifully mixed with ambient sound and all the stuff that goes into it. But for anybody who hasn't gotten a chance to listen to any of the episodes yet, who is Max? What can you tell us about their story? Yeah, so Max is the best friend and love, I would say, of the show's protagonist, Ash. The director, I think, just asked me to tap into my very sweetest, most earnest self, which maybe isn't so hard to do because I've, I've retained some of that like sort of adolescent joy. But Max is like a young person being being bullied in a difficult high school situation and sort of like trying to make choices about how to about how to deal with that sometimes definitely to disastrous effect. How do you prepare for a, a role like this where, you know, you don't necessarily have any Marvel source material to go back to? We like to keep things close to the vest. How much did you know about the character and how much were you able to sort of figure out who that was. It's funny because for obvious reasons, when you get the sides for something like this, they're kind of like they're dummy sides. So you get like a rough sketch of the character, but the the actual plot is definitely being withheld. So it was funny to show up in the rooms. I mean, you know, the writer Jay Holtham was there, I remember, for at least a couple of the sessions. And Rachel Chavkin is the director, and she was wonderful. And it was really like doing like table work like you would on any play. Like you do a cold read, we'd all ask questions like, wait, what's going on? Or, you know, sometimes if we were like doing scenes out of order, which I believe definitely happened for like just the ease of scheduling, you need this kind of reminder of like, wait, what happened? Where am I coming from? So it's good. You have a good director who kind of like reminds you of those things. Well, the show too isn't completely linear. It doesn't just like, you know, go all at once. You're like flashing back and jumping forward. Yes, that and has to I'm, be a horrible, lot. <laughs> I'm horrible with plot too. I'm like the guy who sits next to you in the theater and I'm like, wait, what just happened? You know, like, and it just happened, you know? So, um, so I need a lot of reminders. That is fair because it jumps a lot. Now, we've mainly gotten to hear Max sort of in flashback up through episode six. Can you talk a little bit about Max's story with Ash, how they met, you know, what we've sort of gotten to know about them so far? Yeah, I mean, they're friends since childhood, I think, who have like just discovered that there might be something more between them. Yeah, I I don't know, I was thinking about this this morning before I was thinking about like Ash as Max's protector somehow. 
when she herself is a vulnerable person who's had a difficult life, like being estranged from her father, and then like the larger world that they're held by, which is sort of a terrifying place, frankly, not unlike the country we're living in right now. So this week on on the podcast, we have just found out that bum 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 spoiler alert. If you don't want to be spoiled and you haven't listened to this week's episode, go listen to it and come back. Okay, great, we've done that. Perfect. Max is alive. Um, <laughs> the drama, right? Yes. <laughs> but what can you tell us about where we find Max? What Max has been going through in this time away from Ash? I mean, they're filled with, like, I think a great deal of shame and remorse, obviously needing to get back in the good graces of the, the person they're closest to in the world. And and that's that's not necessarily going to be so easy. Yeah, you know, there's this sort of, like, interesting component to Max where they've been experienced to hype, which is essentially, like, a mutant formulated drug in this world. What does that do to you know, your portrayal of Max as a character. I think the first scenes I read, right, were these really sweet flashbacks that were like, I've got your back, I've got your back. And then, so uh, so the hype scene in the auditorium and its aftermath, it reminded me, there was an after-school special that was like a, a sort of say no to drugs PSA um, that I remember vividly from being maybe like, you know, like 10 years old. And it starred a very young Helen Hunt taking PCP and like falling out the window of like her high school. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's a, I, I've you've seen, seen this. this, correct? Right. You've seen this, right? So somehow that is like an image of like what might happen under the influence. I love calling this drug the hype. I think it's just like such smart coding and really vivid what it can set off in your brain like this hyper sort of like steroid inflated kind of like bigness of feeling that can just explode from a person if they're pushed to their limits. I love what you're saying because it's almost like a response to bullying in a way as well, you know, for both Max and for for Hawkeye. They're both pushed to the brink. My character on the show as like I am in in real life is ge- is gender queer. And I think the show doesn't hammer you with that otherness, but it's definitely in the mix. I went to a pretty sweet high school, actually, um, in, a really, in a really tiny town. So the kinds of bullying I've heard other friends report from growing up, I feel I was frankly spared that in this real tiny town. But that like viciousness that makes kids not want to go back to school or makes, makes people just want to like stay in their bedrooms. I like the way the show is like really addressing these things that actually are like chronic problems that make life really hard for young people to live. Definitely. I agree. I think it's dealt with very eloquently and very realistically in a way while being in these superhero sort of epic opera terms that the Marvel Universe obviously lives in, in a future dystopia like you do. Yeah. <laughs> I love all the performances in this series. I love your performance in this series. And I love the New York theater community here on this podcast. We have James M. Eichelhart, who you might know from Hamilton and those things, who's a co-host with us. Mm -hmm. So we're like very deep in the love of theater. That's really sweet. That's really sweet to hear. 
honestly, I think there's a large crossover between comic book fandom and theater fandom because it's all like reading storyboards, right? Yeah, It's all reading scripts. I remember talking to like, maybe this is a little afield, but I remember talking to like a Broadway producer once who was like, you know, the musical is the most avant-garde form of art, actually. He was saying, I know it just looks like it's populist, but it's it's actually just completely radical for people to have such big feelings that can really manifest. I mean, that's what's exciting about like the superhero world, right? Like a feeling becomes a power and then it physically exacts something upon the world. I think theater always wants to take you, well, not all, but the theater I like wants to take you to a place that's that big. I once heard somebody say that in a musical, you know, when somebody's feelings are too big to say that they sing them right and then superhero comics when f- emotions are too big to talk about them they fight <laughs> yeah these are these are our big arias are like these big fights the fights are also like dances though. yeah that's actually my favorite thing i've listened to so far on the podcast is listening like when you read a fight on the page you're like well how are they going to do that but like the grunts and whistles are enough. I feel like I'm I'm like I'm there. Yeah, yeah. And like what is it like recording an audio series compared to, you know, being obviously when you're in a theater piece, you get to use your whole body and your your whole entire being. What is it like, you know, recording an an audio series where you have to sort of do everything with the voice? Oh my god! Well, it's like what you're doing right now. <laughs> Moving even. my hands like, a lot. <laughs> like, because because that, well, that's what happens though is you do just start even though you're first of all I think we all got to practice a lot of practice actor or not at at chair acting this year. <laughs> yeah. Over the course of the pandemic when we were in like super lockdown, I mean, I taught acting from my bedroom to undergraduates. So it like taught acting one and acting two. So there was a lot of like really trying to figure out how to animate from the waist up, like how to engage this screen, how to try to like feel people without, I mean, it's an act of imagination is I I guess what I'm saying that comes from desire. So yes, I would wave around when we were going. A good director gives you verbs. You know what I mean? Like they give you, they give you verbs to play in a line to line sort of way. And you're like, if I do the verb, if I just do the action, the line will be there. Yeah. Well, speaking of directors, you know, you've mentioned Rachel a couple of times. How did you guys meet and what was it like working together on Discovering Max and putting together the podcast? Well, we, you know, we went to college together in a way. Oh, wow. We were, I think maybe she was a year or two ahead of me. I went to New York University. I went to Tisch, NYU. But when she graduated, she founded a theater company called The Team. And I had a bunch of friends who were in that theater company. And so I just, I've been seeing her work for for many, many years, which started in black boxes. And now she more regularly is a Broadway director, um, although she still makes makes work with her own with her own company. And I don't think we had ever... We more like had like a like a friendly like social kind of like relationship in the world because we share so so many mutual friends. It's a small theater world. It's a small it's a small <laughs> it's a small theater world. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I had never worked I had never worked with her as a director before. I loved how she ran our remote room. Like she's just like very focused and easygoing, and I really dug the cast that they assembled. Joe Morton is in the show, and he has the most beautiful voice we were in like one session together and just hearing him speak I was like 
you know. <laughs> that sounds very fun. And I mean, the upside of getting to do it from home is you get to do it in your pajamas, if you're me. I'm in them right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. you know, here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's a real testament because this, this series was created when, when things were pretty darn locked down. So yeah. I'm sure that there was a big learning curve <laughs> that, that probably went along with that. I've just never done so many audio plays in my life as I worked on this year. God, like talk about looking for silver linings. Like in a way, yeah, I was glad that I was still, that I was just still able to like be part of projects. You know, I was like showing up at Zoom rooms to like teach undergrads because that's a way that I made a living during the course of the year. And you're differently responsible in those situations for sure. Like being the adult in the room and like trying to like, hold the feelings of your alienated 18 to 21 year olds, right? Like who are, who are like, oh, I, I didn't think this next step into adulthood would be me in like, you know, not ostensibly like not physically moving anywhere I'm stuck. So just show up into like rehearsal rooms and get to do something really fun, even if just for like 90 minutes, you know, was a bright spot. It was a bright spot this year. Well, the podcast has certainly been a bright spot for all of us getting to listen to it now. Um, before we wrap up and go, do you have anything that you can tease us towards the end of the series? A teaser? Uh, what could I say? Fear not for Max. <laughs> Fear not for Max. All right. Well, I'll take it. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. Jess, it's been such a delight speaking with you. Thank you so much. And of course, everyone, be sure to go listen to Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Lorraine. Thanks once again to Jess Barbagallo for coming on the show. Of course, once again, you can hear... Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye first exclusively on the SiriusXM app or by subscribing to Marvel Podcast Unlimited on Apple Podcasts coming soon everywhere else. Learn more at SiriusXM.com slash Wastelanders. Oh, oh, oh. And before we move on, we all just want to give a quick shout out to Marvel's Wastelanders Black Widow artist, Gerald Perel, who just got married. Congrats to Gerald and his wife, Julia. And, uh, now it's time to talk about community and our question of the week. Next week, we are going to have on our holiday gift guide. Mm -hmm. You should be done with your Black Friday shopping by then and ready to move on to your further holiday shopping. So we're going to have on Jesse Falcon from Disney Consumer Products, who is a longtime friend of Ryan and I for many, many years, a Marvel fanatic and expert. If you own a Marvel toy, yes, Jesse has probably touched it. He never sleeps. He's like Santa Claus. Which is why we want to ask you our question of the week, which is what thing from the Marvel Universe would you most like to get this holiday season in your stocking? The ultimate nullifier? I don't know. Maybe. Please no one ask for the ultimate nullifier. You will likely destroy the universe. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay, I, I take it back. I would like to have the time stone and then every morning when I wake up tired, I'll just be like, roll back time. Like, I'll pause everyone else's time. I'll sleep for a couple hours. And then I'll go about my day. Ooh. I'll be so much older than everyone by the end of my life. They'll be like, we're all 50, but you're 80. Why is that? Yeah, but, but it's fine. You could probably manipulate your time to go backwards yourself. Who knows? Timestone is, is a funky monkey. I would ask for the Cosmic Cube. One, because it's glowy 
and it's cool and it would look mm. fun just if i'm just walking down the street and people be like who's that cool cat with the great cube cosmic cube that's what would happen every time <laughs> you just want to you just want it for clout yep just for clout <laughs> just gramming it and then once in a while i'll be like mm, i want a candy bar and i would use the cosmic cube wish for a candy bar boom candy bar or skateboard boom skateboard or like <laughs> Four noses. Boom. I'd have four noses. Whatever it is that I want at any given time, I would use the Cosmic Cube for. I think it would be great. Yeah, I guess I guess the Cosmic Cube kind of is just like anything in cosmic existence I, I make happen. It's a wishing rock, essentially, with terrible consequences most of the time. But, you know, we'll deal with that later. I'm sure nothing bad will happen. But anyways, you can tweet us your answers using the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com. Or you could send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in Marvel. And please make sure to tell us if it's quote unquote okay to read on the show so we can read it on the show like we're about to do right now. Heck yeah. All right. So our question of the week last week was which releases from comics, games, anything from Marvel in 2021 are you most thankful for? And first up, we've got Fred at Mutant Jedi Mouse who says, where to start? The return of the MCU is something to be grateful for. We didn't expect it to be this great. And Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, the game, an amazing surprise. Being Star-Lord and saving the galaxy, my dream. And personally, Moon Knight and Daredevil comics are fire emojis. Ooh, yeah. Next up, we got Tony at T. Bizzlesworth, who said, being that 2020 sucked. Um, <laughs> I was so thankful for the return of the MCU, all of it. I'm such a huge fan. A close second is Marvel Unlimited. I love being able to catch up on things I never read, and I'm running out of storage in my game room. Mm-hmm. I know that feeling. Mark at Ronin Taizen says the most I'm thankful is just Marvel continuing to pour out great content all around, especially Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I've been waiting for Shang-Chi since the first Avengers movie came out. Also, can't wait for the new Spidey movie comes out on my birthday. Ooh, yeah. Happy almost birthday in three weeks. Yeah. Next up, Devin Coulson at Devin Coulson says, I'm mostly thankful that the MCU has returned after a little hiatus. Phase four has been pretty awesome so far on the big screen and small screens. Yeah, well said, Devin. Nick at underscore Prince Bambi says, I'm thankful for the MCU returning to theaters and bringing brilliant additions in Marvel Studios Black Widow, Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings and Marvel Studios Eternals. These movies were jam-packed with inclusivity and empathy and helped me see myself in its characters and stories. Hell yeah, Nick. That is wonderful. Next up, Skywalker at Dog Skywalker says, Most thankful for Marvel Studios' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier tackling race and patriotism. It may make people uncomfortable to have that discussion, but we are having it. Now we need a truth. Red, white, and black movie could be as big as Black Panther. Thanks for the pitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just if nothing else, everybody go read that book. Oh, it's so great. Dante Vale at Fantastic Cheese says, I am thankful for the strong representation of Asian culture with the release of Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and the memorable performance of Leung Chu Wai as Zhu Wenwu, heralding a new age for American-born and Canadian-born Asians. Yeah. What a great cast. At Gerald Zod says, having Black Panther release in Crystal Dynamics, Marvel's Avengers game, it was a great feeling, especially with the loss of the actor Chadwick Boseman. I'm looking forward to Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda forever, and I hope Marvel Studios continues to fill the void. And we have a brand new Black Panther 
comic launching really, really soon. All right, next up is Andre and Nugraha at Andre2099, who says, Well, of course it's the comic books. I love how Marvel events are now built in the long run. War of the Realms, King in Black, as opposed to instantaneous incidents giving us more meat in the process. A lot of Marvel events are built in the long run. Please read Secret Invasion and read the two years <laughs> of comics, three years of comics before that. There's tons of great stuff, but I'm super glad you love War of the Realms and King in Black because those are great, great stories. Absolutely. All right. Next up, we have at Chandler Polling, who says, I am most thankful for the lavish Hellfire Gala this past summer. Marvel, your ex-team outdid themselves on all the Lukes, the drama and the enormous flex of terraforming Mars. Plus, a drunk Nightcrawler was hilarious. More, please. Absolutely. Hellfire Gala was so fun. And honestly, the covers alone were just fire. But then the interiors that followed suit like crazy. Up next is Flare Star 56, who says, I am thankful for the new Darkhawk series. Always been my favorite character. And even though it hurts, Chris is gone. I'm really loving some of the creative swings going into his new design and origin for the new wielder of the amulet. Yeah, it's a it's a real neat series to see how they're taking the character in a new direction while still being faithful and respectful and inclusive of the original character and stories. We've got an email from Simon Williams, which says, after listening to episode 949, I wanted to say thanks to Ryan for his comment. Honestly, I haven't been commenting as much because of the pandemic. I usually listen to the podcast on the train ride to work. Since I'm working from home, I listen when I'm driving somewhere. Plus, I have a huge backlog of comics I need to read. But I'm still here, and I'll try to post more. Oh, Simon, you don't, you're not required to post. No, uh, I'm just glad... <laughs> <laughs> like we heard from you. It's one of those things that like, I don't know if you get this Lorraine where you don't hear from someone that you know, or you've interacted with for years. I get a, this, this weird feeling of like, are they okay? Hope they're Did okay. Something yeah. happen. Like that's just sort of our pandemic minds at work. So when I see someone like Simon, who has been a fan of the show and, and with us and I've met him in person, it's like, it makes me happy. Yeah. We think about you guys. Speaking of folks who make us happy that we think about is Karis Pollard at a Karis Pollard, who says, I am thankful for the both of you always helping me start my week right, even when things are tough in the wider Marvel universe. I'm so thankful for Disney Plus shows being great and needed in a year with few films. Also, Karis has been going through all kinds of stuff with her dog and her house. So all the love to you, Karis. If there's anything we can do to help across across the pond it's me british kitty in the city here to uh, lend a paw <laughs> see you've summoned the friends we are here to help you and let's keep it going with more of our regular commenters the quiet prince at colin J, who says this year i'm thankful for marvel's voices pride to see my community written with so much power was truly life-changing thank you angelique Groschet, for that installment mm -hmm. yes shout out to our pal angelique Groschet, who works on the marvel's voices books as well as the marvel's voices podcast series heck yeah yeah. All right. We've got a big bodacious email from William Rose. William, you wrote a great email. All of us here have read it. I will summarize parts of it. Thank you for sending us such a really great 
email and you say, in 2021, I am thankful for a few comics that are digitally in my hands. You talk about Vida Ayala's Children of the Atom series, which, yes, we agree with. Really cool. X-Corp, which you say the whole story Teeny Howard did helps bring out insight to readers who never had an experience in the corporate world, but get an idea of how corporate business works and then like all with mutants. And it's really cool. X Factor, you shouted out, which is a personal favor of mine as well. And William says, my fingers crossed for a future to more stories of this beloved team. And the inaugural Hellfire Gala is the best of the 2021 Marvel events since anticipation grew of it from the hit X-Men election last spring. The only thing I'm waiting for publication for Marvel is an official physical or digital copy of Jumbo Carnation's fashion book of the inaugural Hellfire Gala. And Jerry has been teasing it for a while. Let's hope we get pre-orders on this. William continues saying Jed McKay's run in Black Cat was great. And he said, I'm highly sure Jed has never done with this lucky cat. I want Jed to write Black Cat forever personally mm-hmm. it's really good william has much love for planet size x-men and x-men with jerry duggan and pepe Larraz, and says it brings out the energy of stories with and without any particular threats in universe as the former just showcases a celebration of growth in mutant diplomacy and world recognition and then he also talks about an adversary coming to mind is the high evolutionary who has a connection to both wanda and vision shouts out some really cool and intriguing thoughts about all kinds of characters and just says there's many comics to love this year as well as in 2022 finally says before leaving this letter i have an interesting question for you guys to think on do you think ward slash multitude might be a runaway son of eve and vision and could he and his granddaddy the high evolutionary eventually meet in the words of high evolutionary himself when the evolutionary war comes your world will burn happy thanksgiving Get Timeless and Excelsior. There's a lot of speculation there from you, William, about Ward, a.k.a. Multitude, his lineage, his, his what he is, who he is, how he fits into things. There's a great story from some of the Infinite Destinies annuals that came out this year that featured Multitude. is really cool character, this synthesoid character. So definitely check that out. And uh, William, thank you for that awesome, awesome email. Next up, we have an email from Henrik Hansen, which says, hey, guys. I'm truly grateful for Marvel on Disney Plus in 2021, especially Marvel Studios' WandaVision and Marvel Studios' Loki. This was appointment television for my family and me. I support adults with severe learning disabilities, so escaping into the worlds of Westview and the TVA was really needed during lockdown. Thanks for a brilliant show, and until Agatha Harkness stops being awesome, so like never. Make mine Marvel! Henrik Hansen. Yay, Henrik. I'm glad you're you're sending us more notes. We appreciate them. We appreciate you. We appreciate everybody who's listened to us. Once again, happy Thanksgiving week if it's relevant to you. And if it's not, just have a just a terrific day, you guys. Be awesome. And also, I just want to acknowledge indigenous people and the land that we live on that is theirs on this day. Mm-hmm. That wraps it up for us. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to Thanos' dish soap. Do your dishes in a snap. And then you don't have to hang out with at least half your family. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.